Good morning, and welcome to the Adele and Michael Show, where we have fresh insight, insightful conversations about relationships of all kinds, and what's really going on in and behind relationships. Right, Michael? Yes. Yeah. And all kinds of relationships, business, business partnerships, birth family, parent, child, fellow employees, neighbors, friends, and most importantly, yourself. Exactly. We also examine the unique relationship structures that exist between teammates, professional, all the way down to little league, um, a parent and child relationship, a relationship within an extended family um, relationships, as well as both intimate and sexual relationships. So, but again, like Michael said, most importantly, it will help you navigate the relationship with yourself, right? Yes. And just so you know, you're welcome to call in here at WWDB AM with any questions or conversations. Please call 888-329-3306. Yeah, we're, you know, Michael, we have to talk about last night. That was awesome. Oh, yeah, that's the first thing that we should do. That was awesome. Yes, that was absolutely crazy. I feel like I had a relationship with the Lost Lonely Boys at the Sellersville Theater. Yes. <laughs> it was it was a spectacular show, and what a great place to see a show. Very small theater, only maybe about 200 people, I guess, mm -hmm. and boy, they were spectacular, and what a crazy jam they did. And, and it felt intimate. It was almost like you were there in their basement growing up. They're talking about their their mom and their hey, remember this? Like when we did mm -hmm. this, and there were three yeah. brothers just hanging out playing bluesy Texas rock sound soul. Like they awesome. were in their garage and they were just <laughs> jamming away. It was it was just awesome. I'll it, tell you, one of the best shows I've ever seen. Yeah, the music was definitely infectious. Yes, right? so we recommend going there and seeing Los Lonely Boys if you ever get a chance. Yeah, and definitely at the Sellsville Theater. It's like this intimate live music venue. I just love it. But anyway, so back to us. That was that was our fun time last yeah, night. Yeah, it was good. It was good. We um you know, when I feel it, it's like we are definitely two individuals that came from different worlds. We're just different. Not in the music. We love the same music, but we are different. And um I mentioned last week we we were once described as a bird and a bear, where Michael's the bear and I'm the bird. And the question was, can a bear and a bird live together in peace in a relationship? Um, could could the bear deal with the bird poking him sometimes? <laughs> or, or can the bird avoid being eaten by the bear? <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, and would the bird get tired of pulling the bear out of the cave to do more and share his wisdom? Yes. <laughs> That's if the bear wants to come out. It's not the middle of winter. That's true. You drag me out of hibernation. Yeah, well, I needed to drag you out because you need to share this information with the world. But okay. I did thank you for doing what you did with me. Yes. Yes. It was awesome. You assisted me in yep. slowing down. And now you have that wisdom, too, and it's awesome. I do. I do. Yeah. It's awesome. So that's why we can be here and share this. We've spent a lot of time and a lot of work went into this relationship. Yes. 17 years, 17 yep. years of, of working through it. And um, I even wrote a book about it called Searching for Oz. Yes. <laughs> Where uh, basically it's it's intertwined with the wonderful Wizard of Oz, the story. I had to go and, and tell our love story in a book. And whose story is it, Adele, it's, mostly? <laughs> it's about me and, and my my traumas and how I did get get through them. But mm -hmm. you were Mr. Marver, Marvel, well, yes. uh, Mr. Marvel. Marvel. 
and and I was Dottie, short for Dorothy. And um, I, I just had this idea of putting our, our love story in a book form. So if you happen to pick it up and read it, you'll really be able to follow our story. And uh, a lot of learning, a lot of lessons in there, a lot of fun, a lot of funniness, mm-hmm. and a lot, of, a lot of play too, but also some seriousness. Yeah, and the seriousness is about, it's like this woman's journey to consciousness and, and how my life fell apart. And then after this emotional tornado ripped through my life, then I, I woke up. I woke up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going back to the Los Lonely Boys. Uh-oh. That song about waking up. Oh. oh, that was Crazy Dream is the name of the song. Oh, you have to look it up. Los Lonely Boys, Crazy Dream. Crazy Dream. Oh, about waking up and realizing that you have to go on your inner journey and, you know, return to the past and look at it. And it's not that frightening. And you know what I really liked about them? I liked <laughs> that they jammed. Oh. They went off the, the road, so to speak. They didn't stay with just the song. They just kind of went off and jammed on their own and ad-libbed, and it was just really spectacular. And when that happened, Michael and I just closed our eyes together. We didn't feel anyone else in the room. We were just together in a relationship, and we just took it to... It was like like being in a bubble. We we were in another frequency, like this frequency. You know, when Dorothy was in the bubble with the... or or I'm sorry, not Dorothy, but Um, Glinda was was the, the, the witch in the bubble. But we were in our own bubble, and it was pretty spectacular. Yeah, we could do that. It's pretty cool. But anyway, so like I said, Michael and I, we've been married for 17 years, and um, we were in long-term relationships before we met, where Michael had four children, I had two. Right, and And, so um, that leads us into what do you have when you have four children and two? You have six children. (laughs) Well, not only that. You actually have children you have to parent. So So that's really what... Our main topic is going to be for the show today, or, or part of it, and yes. um, it's going to be about parenting. Yeah, because last week we talked about our hearts and how most times we are taught to deny our own love and feelings. So uh, as children, we're taught to behave in a certain way. So today we're going to discuss parent and child relationship by looking at our seven most common types and, and these types are um, these seven main types of parenting relationships that we commonly see. Almost all of you will recognize these types and, or have experienced it yourself. So um, it's important to see that each type of, of, of relationship affects the child. Right? right. And so these seven types we've identified in our work with children with our nonprofit, Teamwork Wins. And if you want to know more about that, go to teamworkwins.org and you will learn more about our nonprofit. But with about 20 years under our belt, not to mention about 30 years of parenting or related to parenting, we uh, have quite a bit of wisdom between us. We've found the mistakes and we found the things that really work. <laughs> and here's, uh, we're going to give you a, just a brief list of what we've found to be seven types of parenting relationships let's first talk about the ownership one like this is my child and i own them right (laughs) okay your 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 job as a parent is to guide them not own them i had to learn that myself actually (laughs) right so ownership is one that seems like it would be natural be normal because they're your child and notice the the your child the my child and it's, it's good for a point of reference when you're talking to other people in a crowd, but understand that it's not a possession. Your child is not a possession, and sometimes they get to feel like possessions. 
and sometimes you even feel possessive of your child. So that that leads into difficulties, but we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But what we want to do is just kind of go over the the seven types, and then we'll we'll discuss about how that affects you and your child. So the next one is authority, Ooh, like yeah. being the boss. You know, um, there's a lot of reasons why you would want to become the authority and feel that you need to make sure everyone knows that you are the authority. <laughs> right. And the authority also goes along with being the old school type of parenting. You know, uh, spare the rod, spare the child, and uh, children are to be seen but not heard. Well, that's pretty difficult if you're a child to not be heard. And maybe you were a victim as a child. Maybe you were struggling and you were traumatized as a child. So then all of a sudden you now have the opportunity to become the authoritative person, mother, parent. Right. So all these uh, come from our, our own issues, the way we were raised, the way we witnessed our parents being raised, etc. So when you're listening to these, we, we want you to understand these are not criticisms, they are observations. And those observations actually are things that we notice that cause some sort of challenges in, in the relationship and for the child. So this is about not to judge yourself for whichever style you might be or whatever combination you might be, but to become aware and make changes where it becomes more about a loving relationship rather than I love my child, but I'm the authority. I'm See, the problem with authority also is that it creates power struggles, especially once they hit the teen years and they, they, want, to, they want to establish their own identities. But we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Let's move on to the third one is being their friend, yes. their buddy, their chum. Well, you have no, no real ability to direct them if they see you as their buddy or their chum because you're really just a peer. And who really listens to their peers? Think about it. Yeah, you huh. miss the opportunity to guide them in critical situations, ones that you can say, wait, stop, I'm going to guide you. Parent, kids need that. Right. They need that guidance. They need yes. that, that person's going to say no to them. Uh, overall, they need a parent. They don't need a friend. But you yeah. can be friendly with your child. Yes. That doesn't mean be stern and be cold or, or anything like that. Next. Number so how about, yeah, how about the, um, the partner spouse so, substitute? So this is That's number four. Number four, yeah. Yeah, this is often where it takes that the partner is either a single parent or, or the parent, I'm sorry, the parent is either a, a, parent, a single parent or their partner is a little bit distant in the relationship. So to close the gap in their distance and feeling alone as a single parent, even though you might be in a, in a marriage of some sort, you often start to take on the child as if they're your partner and you take them everywhere and you talk about intimate details that probably shouldn't be discussed in front of the child. Right, and you start to confide in them. You start to speak to them like an adult. You maybe talk about the other partner. That's not, yeah, right. it's not healthy. So number five, that is the no, no relationship. relationship. <laughs> the invisible parent. The one that just kind of floats around. They know you're there, but you're not really there and you're not really engaged in their life. And there's this intimacy missing, this, this connection that's missing. I mean, the biggest part about being a parent is being connected to your child. Not enmeshed, but connected in a loving, separate, individualized kind of way. 
And when the parent's not there, who is the child learning from? The friends, the neighbors. Right. TV, video TV. games. So that, that leaves a lot of openings. And next, number six. Number six, child as a parent. So what this would mean, or this would sound like, would be, Mom, did you make me dinner yet? Mom, remember the keys. You know, remember the child's telling them what they need to do. The, the, the child is taking care of the parent, directing the parent, because the parent has maybe got their mind on something else. Maybe they're a little flaky at the moment. Maybe they are a little tired. But this kind of parent relationship is often ongoing. It's not just an occasional, I'm helping mom or dad out. This is more, more the whole meat of the relationship where the child is always, come on, I've got to get to my game. Will you get there, Dad, or whatever it might be? And what kind of adult does that child turn into, Michael? If you could guess. Um, gee, I don't know. What kind? Gosh. Well, they would take over. They would... Probably be aggressive and bossy. Like, and, they, they're going right. to take care of everything, and they feel almost responsible. Controlling. And feel almost responsible to take care of everybody in their life because they already did it throughout their entire childhood, and then that was their identity. Right. Yeah. So now the seventh. And the key of it all is? The balanced parent. <laughs> right. The one that's both an adult, friendly to their child, loving, directing, not authoritative, but directing from a place of respect, not a place of authority. So this adult is very aware of their child, is very connected to their child, and really knows how to communicate with their child in the child's language, not just in the adult's language, but then also teach the child about how to speak as an adult. Yes. So this parent really will say, has it together. Another one would be that they, when, when things come up for them, issues, the parent has issues, they put them aside, they work with the child, they help them, they guide them, and they take care of their own issues on the side. But they right. realize the charge of the mirror that they're seeing in front of them when they're looking at their child misbehaving. <laughs> oh, I did that. <laughs> right, and they, and they deal with their child in a concept of the day, logical, reasonable and rational way yes they can do it neutrally like it, that. It, it makes sense there's a way to explain it and it's really functional when they talk to the child they don't look at them erratically or emotionally the worst thing you can do is talk to your child while you're in a bunch of emotions yes and when you're a balanced parent you can love them with all your heart yep you, that's the that's the best thing about being a parent you so, love them with all your heart and you have your issues on the side or issues already cleared and <laughs> yep but let it be known that nobody's born the balanced parent because yes. we're all pretty much born to some sort of dysfunctional family so we get some dysfunctional programs and beliefs and ideas about life what children should be what they shouldn't be and then we parent from that so getting to the balanced parent is an evolution it's an evolutionary style you get there as you grow and you learn and you develop yourself. So this is about constant developing so that you can really become that balanced parent. And the beauty of that is then your relationship with your child goes a lot smoother. The power issues tend to be minimized. 
the struggles tend to be minimized, and there's a different respect for you. And so what one might say is that the respect is earned because you've shown them love, you've shown them kindness, and you've shown them direction without fluctuating. You've been very consistent and balanced in your approach. This just naturally breeds respect. That's well said. I love that. I love that. Oftentimes we've heard, what can I, what's the best thing to do for my child in this situation? We usually say to them, the best thing you can do is work on yourself and your own issues to get that out of the way so you can love your child, like Michael was saying. Right. Yeah. A lot it. of times what we've seen in the past is parents who don't understand that concept come at it as if they're going to fix their child. There's something wrong with the child, they're broken, their behaviors are bad, but let's face it, there's an old phrase that says, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> so guess what, if your apple has flaws, they got it from the tree. <laughs> so I think you can figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's just go back to a little bit on how each one of these affect the child and the parent, maybe even where it came from. So how about the ownership part? Let's just, just start at one and work through it. Ownership, the parent who owns their child, hmm. where might that have come from? Oh, maybe a dictionary. No, okay. Um, maybe it came from your parents. Maybe it came from the way you were parented and you just picked up a habit. What you'll find is most of these things came from your own parents. Whatever they might have been, whether they were step parents, whether they were foster parents, whether they were your birth parents, it really doesn't matter. You got all this and it was just absorbed by you as a child like you were a little sponge. Yeah, so don't beat yourself up. This is just, they're just right. patterns that you yep. develop. It's, it's not about being a wrong person. It's not about being a bad parent. You're a learning parent. You're an evolving parent. And move toward that balanced parent and you'll be fine. That's just the journey. Yeah, so for instance, the, the friend parent, you're, you might just want to be friends with them because you want them to love you. <laughs> You, yeah. you, you don't want someone to not like you. Well, right there is a pattern. That's just an example. Right. So that would be your issues that are involved in your parenting. Yeah. And so the ownership, how do you think that might affect the child? What would happen to the child, Adele? Mm -hmm. Oh, come on. I'm throwing it at you. Give me one. <laughs> okay. How about if it makes the child dependent? Oh, yeah. So now this is where you're, you're smothering category. We also have... Uh, 13 styles that go along with these parents and, and one of them is the smothering uh, it's where you're just all over your child they might even include helicopter parents in there and this is where the kid just can't get away from the parents and they're always hawking over them what they did how they did it what flavor it was what color it was are their shirts straight is their pants wrinkled what is it and oh my goodness yeah and they're not given the opportunity to do it themselves that they can walk around this world and and have their own or, or you know whatever or, or even just learn yeah I mean that type of parenting is like putting your child in a plastic bag and expecting them to breathe <laughs> probably not gonna happen is it that's right and you know what <laughs> you can do this from the very start like a one-year-old wanting mommy to do something for her. If you know that that one-year-old can do it, you tell her to do it. Go ahead, I've already seen you do it, sweetie, you do it. 
So every opportunity that you have to put the responsibility back in the child's hand, you do it to them. Really, this is about giving ownership of their life back to them. Hello. How many of you may have grown up as a teenager or a young adult and found that you didn't know what to do? You couldn't make decisions. You couldn't think for yourself sometimes, or you would panic during those episodes. There's no self-ownership. You're so used to having someone tell you what to do in that ownership. This also bleeds over into the authority, which is the next one. And the child doesn't know what to do, so really, you kind of cripple the child. And we don't want a bunch of crippled children. We want some healthy, loving children that can make change in the world. That would be awesome. Yeah, this is our future. <laughs> so that leading into the authority one, that's where the bossy parent is telling them what to do all the time. The child doesn't even have a chance. They don't. They don't know what to do, when to speak, how to say it. And typically you get a few different kinds of responses. One, the child surrenders. Yes. They just become very passive. The other is they become very aggressive and fight against the parent because now this relationship is purely about power and control. And let's face it, nobody's gonna win in a power and control relationship. No. There's always a winner and there's always a loser and it changes hands. So even though you as the adult might be winning now, wait till they're adults. <laughs> then the relationship breaks up, has a difficult time, or they have such disdain for you that they don't even want to talk to you. Yeah. Like, Everyone needs to be their own authority. <laughs> and so yeah. you as the parent are the director so that they can learn to be their own authority. You're guiding them to be their, your own, their own authority. and. Also, let's say you and your husband, um, you have a relationship where one is the authority. Well, that person that's not standing up and being their own authority is modeling for the child. So you need to show your children how you do it in your relationship by modeling that, that not power play, you know, uh, uh, pushing to be the authority or being in a victim state, it needs to be a balance and to be able to communicate and work out of a system. I know I'm Remember, whatever that. you're showing, whatever you're showing your child in your relationship, whether it's a boyfriend or a husband, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're showing them, that's what they're gonna learn. Right on. Ch children, and that was all of us, are like little sponges. We see what's in the world. We, most importantly, what everybody misses is we feel everything that's in the world. So even though it's not seen or it's not spoken, it's felt. And we know what it means. We make up our own meanings, mind you, <laughs> but we know what it means and we get that. You know, it's kind of like when your mom or dad just look at you and give you the evil eye. <laughs> you kind of know what they're saying. There's not a question. No words need to be said there. <laughs> right, but I got it. Where do you think I got that from? I got that from you. Because you showed me, you followed suit with behaviors. Maybe you even withdrew your love from them to let them know that they, their behavior was unwanted. But typically that just tells them that they are unwanted. Yes. So yes, we might be loading a lot on you here. So please don't take this too intensely, but know that this is just information to percolate and allow you to evolve to that balanced parent 
who has a really beautifully connected relationship with their child. Yes, yes. We go on to go on number three, friends? Sure. Yeah, well, friends. Hey, buddy chum. Hey. Let's th- go hang out. Yeah, I don't want to really listen to you because you're my friend. Yeah. I don't really have any respect for you because you really <laughs> aren't respect worthy because you're just my buddy. Yeah. And you're pretty wishy-washy because you're my friend because typically the parent who's the friend is worried about whether their child likes them or not. Yeah. Ooh, and is that a downfall? And the child knows when the parent's being wimpy. Oh, oh yes. Do they know? Yep. And so <laughs> they see it as wimpy. <laughs> oh. They don't see it as a friend most of the time. They know, okay, I'm not going to mom because she is going to put her foot down. But I'll know dad because dad's, you know, he's my friend. He's I know how to take advantage of him. <laughs> so basically, they can work the system. Let's work it. <laughs> and so not really a healthy thing to teach them. No, not at all. And so that affects the child, affects the parent. And oftentimes the parent gets disappointed when the child really starts to get into their uh, teenage years because Very true. they don't need the parent anymore. They have new friends. Yeah. So they kind of dish the friend. The parent friend often feels left out or hurt or disappointed and sort of sort of, um, almost psychically pulls at their child and wants them to be there and wants them to help them. And no, that just ruins the connection. Yeah, and the child either rebels and says, get off me, parent, or they come and say, they cave in. They, ca- I, I need to be with my mom and dad because blah blah blah, and they're not going out right. and exploring. And they give up their life. They sacrifice their life for their parent because the parent was needy. Yes, and like we said Again. before, this. Oh, go you go. Sorry. Don't mean to make this too heavy or intense, but there's just things to look at. And when you find any of these in yourself, please don't judge yourself. Yep. This is just what you were taught. It's what you learned. Those were your coping skills. But it's important to see that each type of relationship affects the child. But now you get to change it. Yes. And you get to have real connection. And you get to love your child in a completely different way. Change your mind, not your child. Ooh, Loving your child by raising your consciousness. Oh, wait, didn't someone write that book? Oh, that happens to be a book uh, that, that I wrote. That. <laughs> <laughs> that was a little plug. Okay. Okay, so that's a, a shameless plug for our, our parenting. Yeah, can I just give you an example? Um, we, we were, You worked with a couple, and they were using this book as a... Manual. As a manual. And they would come back every week and say... Oh my goodness. <laughs> and they would use it. Wasn't that great? Yep. Yeah. That was totally that. awesome. They really used it well. Yeah. Yeah. So next we have the partners. We'll, we'll breeze through these pretty yeah. quickly. So we have the partner. That's just kind of where you make the child your confidant. Yeah. Be careful not to make your child your confidant. You, you ruin the child's childhood and you also do a disservice to yourself. Yeah. So did your parents do that? So the question with all of these, no matter what your style is, is to ask yourself, how did your parents parent you? Did they parent you in any of these styles? And how much of it are you copying? And how much have you modified that is pretty much the same? Yes. And then the child is the parent. We kind of went over that a little bit. Yeah, and, we did. You know, your child shouldn't be taking care of you. You need to be taking care of the child. That's why you had the child. Absolutely. And also the, the no relationship when the parent is invisible. That's right. another one. Yes. We talked a little bit yep. about that as well. A lot of times That's that important. also takes place and is related to 
uh, addictions. Oh, yeah. So it could be alcohol, could be religion, could mm-hmm. be drugs, could be work. Yeah. It could be anything that takes you away and most of your focus is elsewhere rather than on your child. How about you and I, Michael? Remember <laughs> when we did come, when we came together like the Brady Bunch, like we talked about last week, with his four kids and my two kids, that was very difficult because we both had different parenting styles. I mean, completely different. I mean, we love them, all six of them, but, right? Mm-hmm. So we had to adjust because he would take over and do his style, and I was like, I'm going to kill him. Stop it, Michael. Be quiet. I don't want you to do that to my child. And then when I took over and did my thing, Michael's like, are you kidding? So we really had to, as we did our styles, because they were our styles, we had to go into the other room after doing it, and we discussed it. We said, okay, how can we, why did you do it that way? Why did you do it this way? Okay, well, I like that part, but can't we change it a little? Because my kid does this. Well, my kid won't hear you like that. So the stepchildren thing, we had, we learned a, a hell of a heck of a lot, right? <laughs> yes, we were. We we're actually in the process of also writing a book on merging families, yes. how to blend them together, because that's a whole technique and style by itself. Yes. But really, one of the biggest things is when you're doing that, don't argue in front of the children. Get out of earshot. Do it in a private space where the both of you can actually have a conversation without um, being overheard or being eavesdropped upon, like your kids are standing at the door listening to you, trying to find out what's really going on. And no, none of that. And you know, when she talked about that she was threatening to kill me, I I was very threatened. And uh, (laughs) so if you can imagine, our, our physical size is quite different. So it would be kind of like a bear being afraid of a parakeet. And that parakeet was going to peck the bear to death. So I would just kind of chuckle at her. Yes, and I I have to say that... She was serious. When we did go into the other room and talk about it, I have to say I did a lot of learning. Because, you know, he was doing this work way before I was. And um, he taught me so much. And um, I hear later that my adult kids are like, it was a good thing what we did. Look at, we are so this, we are so that. And... So I, I, it was all out of love. When I said I wanted to kill you, it was through my parents. Oh, of course. She was a very loving parakeet. The evil eye and all that yes. was totally patterning. So you know that, right, honey? Yes, I oh, do. Just make sure you're cool Yes, I'm still a little afraid of her, though. <laughs> so we're going to jump off for a minute for a little break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Bye. At any given moment, somewhere in America... A baby is taking a first step, a developmental milestone. But for too many parents, a baby's first steps aren't just a milestone, they're a miracle. These are the parents of babies who were born prematurely or with birth defects. It's a crisis affecting more than half a million babies in the United States each year. You can help them by joining volunteers like you who walk in March for Babies. The money you raise funds research and local programs that help babies overcome the challenges of premature birth and birth defects. Together, our steps make stronger, healthier babies a reality for thousands of families. Sign up today at marchforbabies.org to take the steps that help make milestones and even miracles possible. 
Who will you march for? Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that, overall, you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't seen your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. And now we're back. Welcome back. Okay, Michael. So right now we're going to roll into the styles that are within those types of parent relationships. So remember, the first section was the type of parent relationships, those seven types. Right. And now we're going to talk about the 13 styles within the relationships. So these can be intertwined with the types of relationships, like you said. And, and, and one, can be, one can be one and one can be on the other. Like for instance, one parent could be one way, like an enabler, and another parent could be another way. So it's tricky for the child. The child's like, wait, what's going on? <laughs> you, might, you might even use all 13 of these. <laughs> and they can all be mixed together and blended in any combination. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a pad of paper and a pen. I don't want you to start writing these down. So then you can, throughout the week, decide what am I? As you're screaming at your, your kid and saying, oh, I'm a screamer. <laughs> now, what I want you to do is I want you to go get some lipstick and write it on a mirror so that you can look at that lipstick mirror every day when you comb your hair. Beautiful idea. No, I don't really. <laughs> Especially if there's children listening, please don't do that. <laughs> so let's give us a couple of these 13 beautiful styles. The enabler. Oh, the one that lets you do whatever you want to do when you want to do it? Yes, I love those when I'm a kid. Wow, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that often comes when you didn't get to do it yourself, so you let your child do it. Let them do it. I don't want them to have to... See, yeah. see it's like the mirror, see? So, please, honey, let them climb up on that ladder and jump onto the couch. That would be just perfectly fine. No, they didn't mean anything by it. Or... Your principal, the, your child's principal, brings you in and <laughs> and says what? Says so something that they did in the classroom. Yeah, and and you say, oh no, no, or yeah, you're right. She does that at home too. Let me know what you want to do with her. <laughs> See, now that's different. That's not the enabler. That's true. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that would be more of the enabler. Would be, hey, they didn't really mean it. Yeah. Weren't they doing something really constructive behind that? Oh, they. They just meant something good by that. I did mean that, you know, I just was saying the opposite. So then we also have the manipulator. Yes. Oh, hey, honey, an you know what? Hey, I'll let you go see your friend on Friday if you clean the garage before you go. How about that for a deal? That's a combination of bribery, though. Yes, bribery it and is. manipulator, they're kind right? of the same. Yeah, you can use that all. I said you can blend all these. Yeah. So, so hey, then. 
Then, or it's the, hey, you know what I gave you for your birthday, right? Yes. You certainly should help me out doing these dishes. That's a pure manipulator. Or you know what? I know you have to clean up the dog in the yard, but you know, <laughs> I did change your diapers when you were little. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have one of my favorites. The screamer. Ooh. That's yes. the, although I'm not going to yell into your ears here, but that's just, my loud voice is going to control you and get you to do everything I want. Or I'm gonna have an emotion and just explode all over you. Yes, avoid yelling at all costs. That's one right. of the concepts in the 55 concepts in the other yes. book. Yes, really. I'll tell you what that did for me personally. That screamer left me scarred for life. How? Tell, uh, tell them. It, it, it became something that I call loud voices syndrome. Whenever you hear a loud voice or even loud noises, you just want to duck. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to get hit, beaten, yelled at, thrown at. You just never know what's going to happen. And that loud voice is almost like nails on a chalkboard. Every time you hear it, you know something not good is about to happen. And, and maybe it's just someone that's yelling your name or screaming your name and you react to it because just yelling in general, that would be a belief. Yelling took, means this. Yep. Period. Took me till I was in my late 20s to get over that. That was pretty brutal. It affected everything. It affected where work, the workplace, a boss would yell, or there was an urgent thing, or somebody would raise their voice. And you know what's even better with a screamer that kind of goes along with them? is the toner you get the tone of voice oh yeah hey you better do that what did i say or what did i say or like the slowing yep. down of the word and you and you know what's going on and that's not even being spoken about so there's all this invisible stuff which is one of the things we deal with especially in our our nonprofit is what we call invisible challenges basically all these 13 styles are an invisible challenge because there are things that you can't see, but you feel and you experience. I'd like to share with you a challenge that was invisible <laughs> that I saw happen right in front of my eyes and it has to do with number three, Screamer, okay? So one of my children, I won't mention one of them, <laughs> who they are, but one of them was doing something and I was in my own frustration and I screamed at her. And of course I screamed here and there along the way, but I think she was about eight years old, maybe. So I screamed at her and- Imagine that, a screaming parakeet. <laughs> Get that visual in your head. <laughs> yes, I was the bird that screamed. Anyway, so I screamed at her and I saw the light go out inside of her. It just it just melted like like the Wicked Witch of the West. It was like, I melted. It was like, she just, it just went. And I, it, it hurt me inside. And I don't think I ever yelled at her again. <laughs> but I thought, I need to figure out, and that's when I started searching, searching and searching for my own answers. But I searched for Oz. what that. Right? Yeah. You were searching for Oz. Oz meaning love, <laughs> but I was searching for an answer to why I was frustrated. Why couldn't I put it aside? Why did I automatically just do it on autopilot and yell at her and just hurt the? If you, if you, I don't know if you know what when someone's light goes out, but it's just 
she was just devastated. I'm sure you've seen it, everyone. I mean, when, when you're, something happens to somebody and you can feel it, it's the invisible. And, and she just went like right out of her body. And I, was, I just hugged her and I said, I'm so sorry. I, I, I didn't mean to yell, but I, what, I, what I said, the words were what I wanted to convey. Like I wanted to believe what I said, the words, but I should not have screamed at screamed them. <laughs> right. So if you have any questions or you want to participate in this conversation, please call the station at 888-329-3306. So back to what Adele was saying, remember the balanced parent will recognize their errors, apologize, do their best to never do it the same way again, and communicate to their child what happened and why they did it. That's really important. That shows the child that you respect them as an individual, and it also tells them that you love them. And, yes, and you can make a mistake. And, and you will. Yeah. We yeah. all do. I apologize, and um, yeah. What makes the apologies real, though, is when you don't do it again, or if you happen to do it again, it becomes less and less, and it's more understood that you, too, are breaking some old habits that were taught to you that weren't really the way you want to love them. So explaining that and sharing that with your child, that key in your growth and evolution allows them to understand you and really know that it's not really their fault. Although their behaviors created the situation that there needed to be something addressed. So what I used to say to my children was that it, it, it isn't about you, it's about your behaviors. Your behaviors are something separate from you. And that's what most kids don't really get, especially young on. You'd be surprised how many kids over the years that I've dealt with that are stunned when they find out that they're not their behaviors, that behaviors are actually choices you make. They aren't you. Here, here. Yes. So you can recognize that too as an adult. Your behaviors are not you. They are simply behaviors that come from belief systems that come from thoughts and emotions, and they're reactive in their nature, and they are usually conscious, but unconsciously driven. So when you're a balanced parent, you are very aware of what's going on, and you're able to make these corrections. And ultimately, it's about how to love your child in the fullest way. So we might be talking about these behaviors that seem a little negative and these relationships that seem a little dysfunctional because they are. Yes. We were raised as human beings with dysfunctional behaviors and that's the way it is. There's nothing wrong with it per se, but we can certainly improve on them. And so this is about improving your parenting style in order to love your child in the fullest way possible, teaching your child that they are actually loved, where they don't have to think about it, they don't have to be told it, it is just a known thing, and they reflect those behaviors and that knowing in the way they approach the world. 
because all of our dysfunctions that we got from these different types of parenting caused us to create fears and anxieties, even disappointments and depression and all of these things are quite often caused by the way we were raised and the way we view the world. Those beliefs that we took into the future as adults and how those beliefs influence the way we perceive the world. And that is our truth. And it's absolutely true to each and every one of us, but it is only ours because our dysfunctional upbringing and our childlike interpretation of that dysfunction creates this misperception of the world that we often believe is true. And then we go around reacting to the world from a inaccurate belief system. So what I'm saying to you is that there's a lot to learn, but boy, does your life change when you realize that most of this isn't even your junk. That's, that's beautiful, Michael, what you said, everything, everything that you said. And if you are interested in hearing more about this and, and, and doing it for yourself and changing, making that transformation, we do one-on-one -on -one private consultations. Um, we have workbooks out there. We have coursework online, even if you're far away and you're listening from the station from far away. Um, so, Or yeah. visit our website. Visit, yep, adeleandmichael.com. But... Um, yeah, so this is about making real personal change and maybe possibly healing some traumas or even just expanding your awareness right. and creating the life that you want and deserve. <laughs> and, and, and you know the beauty of all this is that if you learn this about your child, you're also going to take care of your own inner child because you'll see how you were put together and how your feelings were hurt and how you believe that you were at the fault of your parents' divorce or the way your parents acted or behaved towards you, that it was actually your fault, you may have thought. And now, as you learn this, you'll actually see that, wow, none of this was yours. It was all a misperception. You didn't have very good guidance. And so now you get to get out of this and you, you get to make real change, which yeah. is awesome so not only even if you do not have children yourself you can understand this about your own child within and you can understand it for your nieces or nephews or grandparents or grandchildren or whatever it might be you will see differently and you'll know that wow life can be experienced differently i am so changed from this work this inner work that I've done, um, the, the uh, searching for Oz, I, I talk about it, but it's like the guilt, the fear, the shame, the the fear that I had that I kept searching and searching to remove that. I did go to therapy, a couple therapists, and I learned a lot about the mind and all of that, and it did a lot of admitting of what different things that occurred. But to be able to go in there and dismantle and dissolve the shame and fear and guilt and I, I am actually life is good right now life is just fabulous <laughs> because <laughs> i know that that those the shame and fear and guilt they were there before and now they're not like so, I, they were there and now they're not <laughs> it's, it's just, available for everybody yeah yeah so Give we us. want you to know anyway. that there's hope no matter what you do Know that you don't have to live in any type of unhappiness. 
it's not required and there are answers even if you don't know where they are right now that's not what life is supposed to be about that's right that's right so a few more styles we have the briber which we just talked about it's one of my kind of least favorite and favorite to kind of talk about is the briber is if you do this i'll give you that maybe i'll put a gold star on the refrigerator for you so there's a lot of parenting styles that are being taught that say that bribing is good they call it the reward system but the reward system is nothing more than a bribery if you really break it down and think about it you are trying to motivate a child through external validation or lack of validation that's also called manipulation absolutely that isn't straightforward it isn't honest and it, and it generally may be done lovingly in its intent but think about what you're teaching your child that you only get things if you do things for others or your worth and value comes from doing things for others wow who really wants to teach their child that really that just doesn't make sense so i'm going to bribe you so when you find your child is bribing politicians to get um, a building permit you'll wonder where they got it <laughs> there we go there we go <laughs> this this number five withholder of love yes i learned a lot about that i mean i didn't consciously say i'm going to withhold my love but there were pieces in when as i parented when things came up how I withheld my love internally. Now that I know what it's like inside of me <laughs> right. and how to be connected to another, withholding love is is probably quite common. That and you, it is. And many people probably don't know exactly what that means. So right. maybe you could share so, some of that. Uh, I'll give a little insight. So that withholder of love is when, often happens when you as the parent get hurt. So your feelings might be hurt because your child isn't listening to you or behaving properly or embarrassing you, which is a whole nother difficulty. So when they do that, your feelings get hurt, natural. But when your feelings get hurt, can you remember any time that your feelings got hurt and you kind of shut down, you kind of make yourself numb, you withdraw? Well, when you do that, your child feels you withdraw your connection from them. And they know what that means, even though it doesn't really mean that. They know it means that they're not loved, that they're not approved of, that there's something wrong with them or the way that they're behaving. But the fact is, is they're just children. They're learning, and yes, sometimes they're pushing the limits, and I get that, but that's part of it. They're testing the limits because they need to know what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's going to lead them to a good life, or what's going to get them what they want out of life. So they're practicing. So you have to remember, as a parent, you're also a practice ground. You're the place where your child is trying to figure out what works. Well, if I manipulate mom this way because she manipulates me that way, I wonder if it works. If I suck up to dad because that works, then I wonder if it'll work with my teacher. And so they're practicing with you. So understand that there's a certain beauty that they're coming to you first, and I know sometimes it'll be frustrating, maybe even annoying, but they're practicing to see what works in the world. Your deal as a parent is that your job is to prepare them for life. 
when you are not there. It's not to always be there for them. It's not to make sure that they're always okay. It is to make sure that by the time they leave your house, they have all of the skills, all of the talents, all of the education necessary about how the world and the culture they live in works for them. This is exactly when the withholder of love thing happens. When your child's behavior hurts you. This is exactly when it happens. They're testing out, they're trying different things, they're, they're working, that's exactly right. Yep. And then that's when you have to decide, do I wanna, do, do I wanna withhold my love or do I want to say, that's just a behavior, that these kids are just trying to figure it out. Okay, I see what you're doing, honey, but blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And don't take it personally. That's when people say, don't take it personally, and they don't really get it. Yeah. Well, this is what it is. You believe that their behaviors are them. They are not their behaviors. Th that was huge for me to understand mm -hmm. that one. It really yeah. was. Now, we're getting near the end of the show, so I want to run through the few that are left that we didn't cover here. Okay. So Let's I want to go, go to through. It. We've got the, the passive parent who really doesn't do much or really kind of lets things be or lets the other parent handle it. What happens? And wonder why their child is misbehaving or acting out or has no social skills because they didn't parent them. They were afraid to parent them. They, most of the time they're passive because they're afraid of the results or the confrontation with their child. We have the disciplinarian the one that's the authoritarian, the one that just wants to make them do it and force them to do it. Control we, by fear, yeah, the whole thing. We have the over-talker. Blah, 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 blah. The kid sh totally That's all the child hears, out. yep. Shuts them out, doesn't even hear that, mm -hmm, yeah, uh-huh. And Whatever. all they hear is blah, 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 again. Then we have the liberal parent. Hey, do anything you want. It's a free world, it's a free life. Be free. It's okay. Guess what? Woodstock. They're having another Woodstock. Let's all go and spend hang out for three days. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was close. <laughs> then we already talked about the smothering helicopter parent. Yep. We also have the the t dependency creator oh, parent. Yeah. The guilt tripper. Yes. The pity party. Yeah. Yep. That's the one that just is always making the child feel responsible for the parent's feelings, trying to fix the parent's emotions. Did you ever feel that? I wonder if you ever felt any of these. Your parent blabbed too much, they were too bossy, they were always trying to con you into doing something, <laughs> or they yelled at you to make you do it. Which one of these were yours? Then we have the bully. That's the one who's just aggressive, no matter what, and if you speak up to them, you're gonna get it. So that's pretty much the majority of those styles. And within that, there's the combination. Now notice, we were talking about these because these are the things that need to be corrected in your parenting style, not because you're a bad parent, but because you had bad training. No way, right. Poor training yes. leads to poor results. And we're saying there's better ways, there's easier ways, and that's about being connected to your child, that's about loving your child in all ways, including your direction. Your, you're not to be their authoritarian, but you're to prepare them and make sure they're prepared. And sometimes that means you be, you have to be a little hard with them. You have to be a little firm. You're not always real nicey-nice and sweetie-sweet. And you, you sometimes need to say, hey, 
sit down, knock that off. That's inappropriate. Now let's talk about what's going on. So that tone in your voice might have to change so that they hear you, so that they respond. Because remember, you're in teaching mode 24-7, and you take advantage of every opportunity you can to prepare them so that you know when they leave your door, those children are safe. They know how to make decisions. They know how the world works. They know how to interact with other people. And they actually learned how to parent by your beautiful evolution. And truth, yes. And it all pays off when you're there with them. And there's an old phrase, honesty is the best policy. It truly is. But you have to make the honesty age appropriate. Yes. Some people are trying to bring adult honesty to a seven-year-old. They're not going to really get it, and they'll misconstrue it. Yes. But be honest in their own language, in their own appropriate age. So I hope you enjoyed everything we had to say today. Um, And we will see you next next week. Next Thursday, yes. All right. Have a wonderful week. Bye.